WingGD, we are driven by providing our customers a smarter perspective on engine technology. The marine environment we work in is fast changing. Regulations are increasing, causing our customers' capital and operational expenditures to rise. We improve efficiency and reliability through our passion for engine solutions, driven by our people who understand the pressures of the marine sector today and tomorrow. I am Nicolas Bornozis of Capitalink, and I would like to welcome you to today's podcast of your series, Riding the Waves of a Lifetime. This particular series uh, enables us to interact with uh, maritime industry leaders who are sharing with us career and life experiences, as well as their unique insight into the industry's direction challenges, risks, and opportunities. I would like to thank WinGD for sponsoring today's uh, session. Uh, our podcast today, we are privileged to have with us Sadan Kaptanablu. Sadan is the uh, CEO of uh, the Kaptanablu Group. Uh, she is also the uh, former uh, president of BIMCO. Uh, Sadan, thank you for being with us today. It's really wonderful to have you with us. And you have had uh, a very distinguished and impactful career in shipping. Uh, your career includes uh, running a shipping company, running a shipyard. Uh, you also have uh, had a broader uh, industry impact as the head of IMCO, uh, BIMCO, and uh, also of other organizations like TUMEPA, uh, and Intermepa, the Turkish Chamber of Shipping, and so on. So you've been very industry-oriented uh, on a larger scale. And for reference for our audience, BIMCO is the world's largest direct membership organization for ship owners, charters, ship brokers, and agents. In total, about 60% of the world's merchant fleet uh, measured by tonnage is represented by BIMCO. And, uh, Sadan has been heading this organization for a number of years. So let's start our discussion. You come from a shipping family. So the question of how you got into shipping is kind of self-explanatory. But still, I would like to ask you, can you please share with us your family's history in shipping, how it all started for you and how it developed, uh, and give us some background, again, on, on yourself and, and your family. Uh, first of all, thank you so much, Nicholas, and thank you for this great opportunity. Uh, I always enjoy also having a conversation with you. Um, uh, well, I think uh, shipping is kind of uh, in my destiny, but it kind of, uh, to me, it took me 20 years almost to figure out that I was a shipping person. And uh, of course, Captain Olu family has a more than 100 years of uh, shipping existence. It started in the Black Sea region during the Ottoman Empire times. My great great grandfather was a, he was a trader and also has small you know vessels uh, so that you know uh, he can trade his own goods uh, with his own you know fleet. And this is something very rare for the you know Turkish person to have this kind of. Uh, uh, business in Ottoman empires, yet we have it. And, and then the family somehow 
from one branch to another, they continue the, all these years to be in shipping. And uh, my grandfather, he was a captain himself, and he is the founder of our captain of shipping. And uh, so, because he's the one who left the brothers, the family business, and he'll start his own uh, career. And so here we are today. Uh, of course, in our family, you know, you just say at the beginning that how I am involved with the industry. And because it is in my genes, uh, in, in my family, my grandfather uh, was very much involved in the Turkish shipping industry. And uh, because he's, uh, he is the founder of the Turkish shipping uh, corporation. And uh, he is the one who actually you know, group the Turkish ship owners who go to the, you know, politics and lobby about shipping. And of course, then my father followed his steps. And my father is one of the founders of the Turkish Chamber of Shipping, which is the most important body in Turkey. Because in Turkey, uh, by law, you have to be a member of Turkish Chamber of Shipping. So in Turkish Chamber of Shipping, we have over 10,000 members. And so it is the, really the umbrella organization. Uh, also, of course, uh, my father and my grandfather also uh, part of the Turkish uh, Ship Owners Associations. And uh, so, and then the Education Foundation and the university. So I think I can say that it was, you know, in our genes to serve our industry. So I, I grew up in a sense that you serve your country, you serve your pe uh, people that you work also together. Uh, I was not pushed to, to become a shipping person. Uh, actually, no, no one in my family, uh, even my brother, was not pushed. Uh, so there were simple uh, rules in the family, like you have to have an education, you have to study at the university, you have to know at least one foreign language, and you should be uh, ready to serve for your country, for your industry, whichever you are in, uh, in a very decent manner. So that's was the expectation. But of course, all our Sunday trips was either on a vessel, to a vessel, or was in a shipyard. So it kind of uh, gets you. And uh, yeah, and of course, being in a family business, you know, in the family businesses, you bring the business to the house as well. So we were always aware of you know, things. And, and whenever we have a, we pay a visit to our headquarters that my grandfather used to, you know, uh, take us and, you know, make us sit on a round in, in, in his chair uh, and then answer the phones on behalf of him. So which kind of a, then, you know, got into me. Uh, but I, you know, my, my route was completely different. I studied philosophy at the university. I wasn't thinking about shipping. I was just helping my uh, family uh, for the translations because my English was, you know, way better than their English. And eventually I just uh, understand that shipping is, you know, very suitable for my character. Uh, and then the rest is history. And then here we are. So this is how I got into the shipping. Very interesting. And I, I have to say, we should all reflect exactly how shipping uh, families and companies like yours that trace your, uh, your history so long ago, I mean, it's very interesting to see how this family, uh, you know, businesses have grown uh, to a global level, uh, having a 
global uh, footprint in this industry. So, uh, and this is uh, really uh, particularly interesting and amazing. So uh, thank you for sharing this with us. At the end of the day, shipping has been a privately oriented uh, business. Of course, it's opening up to the world. Uh, but again, let's not forget all these big shipping families, how they have evolved over time into these big corporate structures of today. Anyway, I, I wanted to ask you, what are the complexities and advantages of working and managing uh, a family-owned company? Well, as you say very rightfully, family business is a complex matter. And it is sometimes so complex, I had a PhD on it. So uh, when I was doing PhD, my topic was uh, how to sustain competitive uh, advantage to the cooperative decision making. And my case study was uh, to see the lean applications on uh, family businesses, family shipping businesses in Turkey. So uh, I, I have to say that the advantage and the disadvantage of a shipping family, uh, family business is the same thing, family. So if the family serve the uh, business and everybody has a commitment to continue uh, and then there is nothing you cannot solve. So that's why uh, I think uh, uh, for whomever goes to the family businesses, I think they have to have a kind of uh, separate mind on to be a shareholder and carry the responsibility of a shareholder and then be working like a professional on behalf of a family. Because if you can have separate these two, then your transparency, your fairness, and your dedication will keep things together. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, it is very hard to keep the family happy enough to serve the business. So I think this is the you know, complexity. But if you can manage it, then it is, I think it is the strongest thing uh, to have a family business. Indeed. So in that environment, if I can ask you, uh, what do you consider milestones in your career? Well, I think my first uh, milestone in a, in a very interesting, but my education. Because first I prefer to study philosophy because I thought that, you know, coming from a privileged background, I should go with the classics and basics. And mathematics, God forbid, was not an option for me. So I, I, I was very happy to study philosophy. But then I knew that at the same time, I was going to be, somehow I'm going to be a shareholder in a shipping company. So I, I went to Kasnav Bay's uh, business school. Uh, and uh, so, and that changed my perception also to from, uh, I, I, I would say, domestically international than being pure international. And, uh, and that is, I think, the first thing I have to say. And the second thing is uh, you have to really uh, digest your family culture and your all this family experience in the business. But after that, uh, you should have a kind of a a strategy where you want to go. And in my family, diversification was always an important tool that we use uh, in shipping. And 
so going to the shipyard business uh, was uh, one of my, my projects and it was supported by the youngsters, especially uh, by my brother. So, and I think that was a milestone and uh, it is one of the sustainable business plan that we have compare what is going through with shipping today. And of course, I, after that, my BIMCO presidency, such an honor. And uh, so that is also one of the milestones. And, and the other milestones is all about the ups and downs of the shipping and the you know, world economy. And you know, uh, they come with the business. So I think this tree is important to me. Very interesting. By the way, we both share the common bond of uh, Professor Gramenos. Uh, <laughs> created an amazing, um, I think, uh, network of alumni around the globe. Uh, he's done a great mm -hmm. job and uh, yes. been indeed transformational for me and obviously for you. <laughs> That's correct. So yes, I think he deserves a big salute. Great guy, uh, great planning, you know, wonderful job. So, Sardan, if you can share with us, uh, as you mentioned, you've been through the ups and downs of the business over a long time. So can you share with us what has been one of the biggest challenges that you faced in your career and how did you overcome it? Uh, I think it is, it's an easy question for me uh, because the challenge, the ultimate challenge was my gender because I was a woman and uh, it, was, um, it was not unexpected me being a you know, shipping person. And, uh, but how I overcome it, I simply decline the, the perception of what a woman should do or must do or can do. And of course, this is not an easy thing to decline and just proceed, but uh, I manage it. I am quite a rational person. Uh, and after that, everything uh, was, much better. Today, sometimes I see that, you know, uh, some of my colleagues have still have the same experience. So uh, I think the best way of overcoming it to create your own personality. And as I said, just not to listen to anyone. So I will go back to your uh, BIMCO presidency, obviously as a global ship owner, and also as the head of this global organization, you have a unique uh, insight and footprint on the industry. So can you share with us, uh, what are the three major challenges that you see uh, in the industry as the industry develops today? Uh, okay, the first one by far is the uh, decarbonization of uh, shipping. Is simply because we do not have the technology. And uh, so we need to create projects and collaborations, especially with the charters and all the other uh, stakes together. And uh, determination is that it is a wonderful thing. And I'm a great believer of, of this, uh, but we need to work together in order to overcome this. The second one is uh, the well-being and safety of our seafarers. Uh, you know, in the pandemic, we did a great job 
shipping did excellent job, but this was, you know, at the cost of our seafarers. So vaccination is now uh, getting better, but still, you know, there's a lot of number of ship uh, seafarers that is not vaccinated yet. Uh, and also, I think seafarers deserve to be safe, not to be killed or hijacked. So I think this is uh, the second challenge that we all, again, together, have to work on. And uh, the last one is the still uh, environmental, uh, because now because we focus on the green gas emissions and, and it is the most important topic for sure, but it is not the only one. So we have to do, I would not say we have to do more because we always do what we are you know, responsible, but we have to be sensitive of the newcomers of the marine pollutions. Uh, this can be the, you know, voice, this could be the plastics, uh, because this is our home. Seas are our home. And everybody has to uh, do their part. But sometimes I think shipping has to do more because it is our home. Indeed. So now let me move to another area that uh, is particularly interesting and challenging, technology. Uh, technology is changing rapidly on a day-by-day -day basis and the pandemic has accelerated uh, the transformational impact and speed uh, of technology, of technological change. What is the biggest digital change that you have experienced in your own career in the shipping industry and what do you think we are likely to see uh, looking ahead for the next few years? Uh, in my experience, I think the dramatic change was the you know, internet and then the communication with vessels, monitoring with the vessels. Now I can see my vessels from my mobile phone inside out. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, I can see what is happening in the shipyards you know, from my mobile phone again. So, this is, I remember when I was uh, a small child, they do not have this kind of things. And it was 10 times, uh, not 10 times, 100 times more difficult to actually, you know, maintain the vessels, to have the control over it. And now I think with vessels and uh, offices are in much more direct communication and then the management skills uh, is much more improved thanks to this. And when I look at the future, I, I think I, I, I will see and I want to see a paperless less, uh, shipping. So, and hopefully it will start with the bill of ladings, then I think we'll go to all of things because also this is also environmentally friendly not to use all that papers, uh, but also it will, it will uh, keep up the pace in a, in a much better and faster way. So these are the first things that I'm expecting. So staying on uh, the issue of technology, technology also means uh, increasing automation. And there has been a lot of discussion about that. To what extent do you think that automation can ultimately replace or supplement the human factor? At the end of the day, shipping is based on the human factor. Uh, I think, okay, automation is, is a fact, it is coming along, especially we see a success 
in predictable routes. Uh, but I think sometimes uh, non-shipping people, when they talk about uh, automation, they are a little bit carried away because they forget that this wonderful piece of you know, factories, individual factories uh, that we have on the sea need maintenance. So, and if we look at the last 50 years, the number of the crew reduced actually a lot. Uh, but I do not see 100% automated uh, vessels uh, without any person at all, because there will be always a maintain the maintenance of the vessel. This, there is a need for this. And also I, my personal uh, idea is that, you know, maybe the, the collisions or the problems that we are always come unfortunately in the light of the news when there is something terrible happens and then they say that human factor uh, but at the same time i believe every second a seafarer saving you know us environment and uh, and the world so we have to always uh, think that there are things that machines cannot do and and only human can do. As long as also we focus on to train our seafarers accordingly, there will be always human factor in shipping. Indeed, and I think uh, as you pointed out, the, the overall question of uh, training uh, the seafarers is absolutely critical. If I can interject one more question, exactly capitalizing on your broader industry footprint as a head of BIMCO, do you think, I wanted to ask you about regulation. Do you think regulation is going the right way today in the, in the uh, you know, regarding the industry? Um, there are so many unknowns, so many factors involved. Um, what is your take, uh, especially as you have been the head of BIMCO? Uh, Nicholas, I think we have to change the way we look at things. I do understand that my fellow ship owners, wants to do the business as usual. But the world is singing a different song. And not only the people, non-shipping people, but also environment is singing another song. So it is pointless if we have all these wonderful vessels, but there is no cargo to carry, such as no grain because of the climate change, you know or we carry, continue to carry coal, but then the, you know, the world is freeze because of the climate change. You know, climate change is a fact now. And if we take all the shipping as one country, in our emissions, for example, we will be the number six. So there is something we can do. We should do. What is difficult is to regulate an international uh, industry. That is the problem. And that's why I know I sound very, very boring, but that's why I keep on saying, you know, we have to do this together. Ship owners cannot do this together. Uh, only among themselves, I mean. I mean, collaboration is necessary among the ship owners, but also collaboration is necessary among the ship owners, the charters, to uh, ports, to flag states, everybody. Everybody must do their part. And this is like almost changing from the wind power 
to the steam engines, you know, and I understand the uh, pain here. Uh, but again, the, the targets were set. We have an agreed regulation. And what is fantastic about ship owners, we always comply. And I know that we will again do the magic and comply. This time, it will be very difficult, but uh, I think uh, we will find ways. And there won't be one solution. There will be plenty of solutions. And that's why also in BIMCO, we are we were supporting and we are still supporting this uh, research and development foundation. We need that. So in order to actually focus on uh, where it's necessary. Also, we will see a lot of technologies for uh, retrofitting as well. Uh, was it all necessary? I always say, now this is me as an environmentalist talking. I always say, we are not the first generation to damage the environment, but we can be the last generation to actually uh, get this straight and clean the environment. Very well uh, put, uh, Sudan. But uh, as you pointed out, the, the complexity and the difficulty, how do you regulate an international industry? And I think one of the concerns we hear from a lot of people is the concern about the plurality of regulators uh, and that we may end up having international, regional, multiple guidelines that people have to observe. So, uh, you are right, but that's why we've been very uh, outspoken about this. This is a very dangerous thing. Regional, regional approach will stop the innovation. So that's why we should always remember that IMO is our holy house. And sometimes we always complain. Uh, that is a very bad English, I would say. I said sometimes than always. Uh, but uh, I think sometimes we complain how slow it is. But, you know, 174 countries agreed on international regulation. It is difficult, but we have to reach out the non-shipping people in a very positive way to let them understand why we need one regulation. That's why also we made this two film in BIMCO in order to reach the youngsters who claim that we have to do more. To, to let them know that why things are getting, you know, slower than their expectation. You're absolutely right. I think you, you hit uh, the, the nail on the target. Uh, you need to have uh, an informational campaign to a broader industry, also beyond the shipping industry itself, because ultimately a number of decisions are being made by non-shipping people. But anyway, going back to our, um, our discussion, how much does company culture matter in running a successful company like yours? And clearly, you as a CEO set the tone. Uh, is there a company motto that uh, your team and yourself follow? Okay, first of all, I think everybody will give this answer. Uh, company culture is everything. Because that is also becoming a kind of a family which needs to be run very professionally, but needs to be bound together because shipping is a very demanding and difficult business. And uh, of course, over the years, we have a lot of uh, mottos, I have to say, uh, but I particularly like two of them. One of, one of them is uh, nothing is impossible. You know, because in shipping, you always deal 
at one point, something looks absolutely impossible for other non-shipping people. So we know that, you know, nothing is impossible. Impossible is something that, you know, just take time sometimes. And also it's coming, another motto that is coming from generations from, uh, to my family, they all say, everybody, men and women in the family say the same thing, business comes first. So business I think that first. is also important. So uh, can you, uh, maybe before I go to, to your Bingo experience, I wanted to ask you, of course, right now, no one is traveling, but hopefully we'll go back to a traveling schedule. Now, being the head of a major shipping group, uh, also being the head of BIMCO for a number of years, you have been on the go all the time. So how have you been able to manage business and personal life? It must be quite taxing. Uh, yeah, it is not easy, I have to say. Uh, but I think uh, one of my specialities that I, I am proud of is I prioritize things. So, and I stick to that. So to me, uh, family comes first. Uh, because I am a mother, I have two daughters, I have my ultimate responsibility is towards my children. And uh, which means that uh, you have to steal time from, from yourself. So there were times that for months I didn't go to a movie theater or I didn't go out before with my friends, but I was either in the business, it, it can be, you know, industry business like Bimco or Captain Oli business or with my children uh, and with my family. I think, you know, uh, sometimes I make fun of people. They say, what is your success? And I say, I'm still married, uh, you know, and, uh, and I appreciate also my husband for the support because also my family, this is one of the advantages of uh, having a family business. My family is always there for me. And our offices also are very children-friendly offices. So, you know, uh, as I, I explain you, you know, my experience with my grandfather, they are, my, our children are having same experience uh, in the office. You know, Tatiana, you're so right. And I think uh, you're, you're right. Family should always come first. It doesn't mean we neglect the business and, and time flies so fast. Yeah, I I know, <laughs> but I think also when family, you know, my for uh, generation when they say business come first, they refer to family should serve the business, not the business should serve the family. You know, this was the underlying explanation of this. You know, that is the success you know of the family businesses. You learn to serve for the business, not vice yeah. versa. A statesperson, anyway. So, if I can go back now to your um, Pimco uh, experience, can you share with us? Uh, I mean, this must have been a very impactful, significant assignment. Can you share with us your experience heading the organization? Uh, sure. Uh, first of all, Pimco is a wonderful organization. Um, I, I, I literally, I love it. It is a direct entity. So we have to listen everybody. Everyone can reach us. 
and uh, so also the synergy the is wonderful and everybody is very dedicated uh, secretariat is excellent and uh, even you know during the pandemic how they observed this change and you know adopted right away i was very impressed and very 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 grateful uh, so it, it is almost like a family and that I, I, I really like to, you know, I, I always like to be inside of it, uh, regardless if I'm a president or not. Uh, I, I've been quite a time now working in and serving, I, I would say I'm serving in BIMCO to the industry. Uh, so my experience, you know, when we started, uh, it was in a way transition period. So one great general secretary was leaving and we had to find a, you know, another great one. We were very you know, lucky to find it. And, and then I declared that my main focus will be environment. So I thought that you know, I will be focusing on all these issues and then huh, pandemic starts. So, and uh, I am the first woman uh, president of any big association that I know in shipping. So, and then another historic moment to me was the pandemic. Uh, and of course, uh, environment become even more important because people, I think, you know, finally, you know, understand what is happening in the world. But also we have to deal with the, uh, what is happening with the, you know, result of the pandemic. And of course, the pandemic itself, it was a, was a problem. You know, shipping, as I said, did a great job, still doing a great job, but at the cost of the seafarers. So we were trying to solve that. And at the same time, of course, the economic uh, the economy of the world was, you know, going to a terrible position. There were sanctions. You know, I think, you know, I don't want to say you name it, we got everything because God forbid, that can always be, you know, worse. And uh, but we have to tackle all of this. And um, I was I was very lucky because you know uh, I have a great team. And and I think we uh, we did very well because first of all our membership increased. Uh, now we are also uh, representing uh, more than fifty one percent of the tanker owners in the world and uh, so we opened an office uh, in in london uh, and uh, also of course we have the movies and we have the gulf of guinea declaration which it is very important to me and uh, as a person who you know faced with the piracy and i know what it is for the seafarers so i'm very happy so uh, while we are tackling all the pandemic issues, at the same time we managed to grow the uh, BIPCO. So it was a it was a wonderful experience. But again, I have to say, I am so proud to to lead such a group. You know, because you can be very forward thinking. You can be full of ideas. You can be very disciplined, very smart. But if you do not have the team. If you do not have the support of your board members, if you do not have your support, your uh, past and future president, 
then then things are very difficult. So we were uh, we are always very united, and thanks to pandemic, we become even more united. And so it was it was a wonderful experience, and I think I will continue to serve Sabrina because it is also very important. You know, being the first woman, Nicholas, uh, you know, president gives you a, a big responsibility. I always think that I should do a good job, at least a good job, so that Sabrina can have a greater job, because I I didn't want her to have the burden of my you know failure. So I, I, I hope I meet with the standards and I am looking forward to work with Sabrina for as an immediate past president. Well, Sadan, you, you led me to the next question uh, and thank you for all this uh, insight. You were the first president of BIMCO. So it's a historic moment for BIMCO. Obviously it's an important moment for you um, and uh, you are also being succeeded by Sabrina Chow, so there's another female president following you. So with that, can you please share with us your views on diversity and women in shipping? You touched upon the topic earlier on when you said that one of your biggest challenges was your, your gender in this business. So share with us your insight, ship owner, as an institutional factor in this business. I, I think uh, 21st century is promising uh, a much better uh, life for women. Maybe we do not see it now, but uh, you know we will we will see it uh, more uh, in the coming years. And why is that? Because 21st century requires a different type of leadership and. There is such a complex issues that we have to tackle. We need complex minds and different minds. So uh, that's why diversity is, will become even more important. And uh, for me, it is very gratifying that uh, I, will, I hand over the uh, leadership to Sabrina, to another woman. But not only this, I mean, in BIMCO, we really believe in diversification. And you know, I see companies or corporate structures, they just say, oh, we do as well. And then I look at their leadership team, I look at their boards, and then if this is, they are so much committed, where are the women? Or where are the diversity in age and experience? So if you look at now to BIMCO, you will see more women in the leadership team, you will see more women in the board of directors, and, and this is because we believe in diversity, in gender, in age, in experience. And also we really think that the combining different, uh, I would say genders or people, then you start to hear different voice other than your voice, which was always agreed by another person who happens to be another man. So, you know, and I think we have to encourage to, uh, to ourselves to hear different voices, different suggestions, because this will also lead us uh, in a better way to 21st century. So it is time not to talk, but actually do something and show. 
else I'll bring, uh, you know, uh, Sudan, you, you're so correct. We, you always have to move from discussion to delivery. And that is the other uh, theme that we have picked for a couple of our forums. There's always a lot of discussion, but at the end of the day, you need to move to delivery. And you, you're very correct to point this out. So if I can ask you, you have a very rich, impactful career in shipping. If you look back, is there anything else you would have done differently? What is the advice that you might give to yourself if you were to start over again? Uh, as, as advice, maybe I would say that uh, I should learn picking my fights earlier. You know, I think every person who comes to a certain age will say this. Uh, you don't, because when you are young, you don't really understand this. Uh, but I think to pick your fights is important. But would I do anything differently? This is a difficult question. I mean, you know, because who I am now is because of my past. And uh, I am I'm happy where I am right now. So that's why I would say I wouldn't change anything, but you know, ask me again in three years, then we'll discuss this again. So correct. And you know, one of the statements that I remember in one of our uh, uh, you know, previous podcasts, I think Martin Wade made that. He said, we should not forget where we're coming from. And you're yeah, so right. Awesome. I mean, you're so right. Um, so, we are winding down to the end of our uh, podcast. I wanted to ask you, looking back at 2020, does this give you, did it give you a new perspective on life, on business, or the world in general? Uh, yes. And, you know, this question is, is, is uh, in a way, something that we also discuss among, you know, uh, uh, friend circles. And, uh, and I was telling people that uh, I learned how little I need to be happy. Then I was thinking about this because what I meant by little, saying that, you know, uh, our office were always open. Our shipyard was always open. We were very, very careful, uh, but only few people got sick. Only two persons from a huge Captain Oli family got sick. So I was so blessed. I mean, so far, let's knock the wood. And uh, so, so then I understood when I say I, I am happy with little, that little is such a huge thing, actually. You know, to be blessed with, you know, with this. And so, so what I can say is that then little things can be huge things and just uh, be peaceful with yourself. And I think that's what I am I'm doing. And I think, you know, it is, it is really big advantage to be a shipping person because you adapt so quickly. So that's so well said, and I have to say, it has been a privilege to, to know you, to have worked with you uh, over the, all these years. And of course, looking forward to a lot more going forward. Um, as we are closing our uh, podcast, <clears throat> let me ask you for your closing remarks and also any advice that you would have to the younger generation that is maybe looking to enter shipping one way or the other. Okay. Uh, to, to, 
young surfers, I think it is time that we relatively older should take advice from youngsters. I generally believe that 21st century problems can only be solved by the ones who born in 21st century. You know, regardless of our age differences, Nicholas, you, myself, all our friends, all these great people we know, they we all born in 20th century. And we are trying to solve the problems of today with the mentality of 20th century. So that's why I think uh, all I can say for the youngsters, be bold, proceed forward, and you will always find people like myself to support you. Just like when I was young, I find these people. So, and I think my closing remark should be, uh, you know, I, I am I'm a blessed person. And before I reached to 50, I was blessed with uh, a wonderful career and uh, wonderful BIMCO experience. And, uh, and I want to think that uh, my even bit better success is ahead of me. And I always be here to support uh, young shipping people also. Thank you very, very much. It's been really a great privilege to have you with us today. I would like to thank you for the time. I would like to thank you for your insight, for your passion about shipping and the industry. Um, so I will conclude our uh, podcast. I would like to thank again WinGD for being a sponsor of this particular session. So then thank you. Uh, you thank still you, have Nicola. a lot to contribute to this industry and uh, we look forward to your continued uh, presence and involvement. And thank you very thank much. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure for me. Thank you.